me to 1 John chapter 2, and I'll be reading from verses 18 to 27. 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 18. And the Apostle John is writing this letter, and he's about, what, 80 years old. So, children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He made to us eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from Him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as His anointing teaches you, about everything and is true and is no lie just as it has taught you abide in him let's pray <coughs> father we thank you for the scriptures thank you for your word that you've given us it's the full armor of god it's there for us to not only sanctify our hearts and grow us and mature us in Christ, but it's also the, the Word of God to fight the false teaching, to fight those that deny Christ and deny your Word and deny all the teachings that are in your Word. But Father, we just pray that you would be merciful to us as we now come to listen to your Word, that we would allow our ears to hear what your Word has to say. And Holy Spirit, do a great work in our hearts. Convict us of any sin, or any false teaching, any deception. May we too hold fast the confessions of our faith of Jesus Christ. May we too embrace these truths and live by them so we can walk in truth and, and, and love the truth and, and teach and talk the truth with a tender heart. Help us, Father. Help us to not tamper with the truth because our eternal life depends on it. Please, Father, help us now. Give me words of wisdom and strength and boldness and courage to, to be faithful to what your word has to say. Not to preach my opinions or my subjectivism, but to preach plainly the word of God as the word of God. Father, help us all to hear now. Please, help us. Pray in us this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Just reading around and, and someone wrote, We live in a beastly world filled with violent oppressors, tempters into evil 
and ungodly opponents of God's truth. That's what's out there. We live in a fallen world and there is a battle for truth out there. And it comes in all different packages, all different forms. There's the same-sex marriage battle. There's woman is female and man is male. There's that battle with, with gender. There are many battles out there and it all depends on where you look for the truth. You can either look on the one side to man's wisdom or you look on the other side to God's wisdom. But there is a battle for truth. And we are in a battle for truth. And, 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 but do we know how this battle for truth comes about? Do we know how to identify the people who cause this battle for truth? And do we know how to resist these people who bring about the battle for truth? If you had to ask me as your pastor, Pastor, what is the one main thing you've got to do for this church? What is the one main thing that you've got to do for this church? And I would have to say, my main thing for this church is to uphold the truth. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said to Timothy, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and foundation of the truth. All pastors that are in the pulpit this morning should uphold the truth and speak the truth in love with a tender heart to the congregation. Not tickle their ears, not entertain them, not bring in their opinions, their, their what they think the Bible says. Scripture interprets Scripture and God's Word is open to us. And God has given us the Holy Spirit to teach us these truths. Not to, to entertain the Holy Spirit with different gifts, etc. But to teach us the truths. We are in a battle for truth, as much as you want to deny that. Maybe you're not in a battle for truth, but maybe the truth is not in you. And that is the Spirit of truth that lives in you, the Holy Spirit. There's a tension. Even preparing the sermon, there's a tension. And then we must ask ourselves, well, how is this battle fought? Well, if we go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our battle for truth is not against flesh and blood, it's against the spiritual forces. But does that mean we don't have a battle on the ground? For sure we have a battle on the ground. If Mark is an unbeliever and he wants to hear the gospel, I have to go to him and there's going to be a battle. He's going to oppose me and I'm going to try and tell him the truth. But when they say that the battle is not flesh and blood, it doesn't mean that I go there with the physical side. If he doesn't believe, I don't punch him. If he doesn't believe, I don't shoot him. If he doesn't believe, I don't blow him up. It's not a physical battle in that sense. It's a battle where I take God's word. And I trust God's word. And scripture says we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I take the sword of the spirit. I take God's word. And I fight the fight with God's word. Then it becomes a spiritual battle. Because now that's the Holy Spirit's word. To break down anything that is not right in his heart. Or to bring him to a saving knowledge of 
Christ. But let's not forget that this battle is also a battle with Christians who profess to be Christians. Who say they're Christians, but they no longer are in the church. No longer walking with God. No longer believing in the teachings of Jesus. Because when Paul was leaving the church of Ephesus and on the beach, he said to them, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Because I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw many of the disciples after them. There's an enemy outside the church and there's also an enemy that comes from within the church. And they're always people that like to make a noise, like to bring in their opinions, or like to just unsettle the, the unity and the love and the harmonious working of the church. They're actually childish, petty people. And we need to know who they are. And we need to lovingly go to them and, and ask them what is their claim to this church if they keep disrupting and we will get that in churches. False teachers will arise amongst us. There could be one sitting here today, which we'll only know maybe in five years' time. But in the meantime, we need to keep our eyes on God's Word, because God's Word is truth. Jesus said, your Word is truth. A beautiful quote from a theologian. God is the true God and all his knowledge and words are both true and the final standard of truth. And Jesus, the Son of God, says to his Father, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. There's only one true God. All the other gods out there are false or a myth. And the only way to this true God is through the true Son of God, Jesus. I'm the way and the truth. Jesus is the truth. And the only way to Jesus is, the only way to the Father is through Jesus. And what John in this letter is doing, which he's already done, is already warned us about conflict between light and darkness, between love and hatred, between loving the world and loving the Heavenly Father. And now he warns us about the battle between truth and error. There is an enemy, and all what the enemy wants to do is destroy God's church and the people that are in the church, disrupt the church. And all he does, and how he does that is by attacking the truth to make us go astray, to cause us to wander away from the shepherd and overseer of our souls. That's why the Bible is probably the most beautiful book we can have and we can read because it's full of warnings, it's full of truths to strengthen our inner man, our heart, to strengthen and encourage us, but also to help us keep the eye on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our, our faith, who's enthroned above. Because we, as Mark says, we are sojourners, we are passing through, we are pilgrims passing through. This is not our world. We are in this world, passing through into another world, a new heaven, a new earth one day. And all Satan and the enemy, which we'll see, is the Antichrist or Antichrist, 
All they want to do is destroy the church and the people in the church. And last week uh, I spoke on our first fact, and our first fact was to help us to identify or to know who the enemy is. So I'm going to recap that first fact, but if you want to know more about who the enemy is, to know who the enemy is, you just got to go and listen to last week's sermon. I'm just going to briefly recap this first fact and then move on to our second fact. But our first fact to help us battle for truth is to know who the enemy is, which we see in verse 22 of 1 John chapter 2. It's the Antichrist. Verse 22, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. And then in verse 18, children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. There is an Antichrist with a capital A coming. I don't know who it is. I don't know what it's, who it's going to be. But so now, many Antichrists have come. And who are the Antichrists? Well, the people that have come and have denied that Jesus is the Christ. Or they have denied the Father and the Son. I know 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1 to 12 talks about a man of sin, of lawlessness, and Revelation chapter 13 speaks about and the beast. There will be a great event at the end with the Antichrist. But the greater event is Jesus will come and take his people home. That is the greatest event we're waiting on is Jesus Christ to return. But while we here we need to know we are in the last hour. When John mentioned there, it is the last hour, he was not talking about his time, because then he was, he's contradicting himself. The last hour, we know, is basically, we can say, between the first and second coming of Jesus Christ. Or it's the time between Pentecost and the Perusia, when Jesus comes for the church. But in the meantime, the church is under siege. It's in crisis day. But half the time we make our churches to be nice and, 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 and non-threatening and look fancy. But the church is under siege. We're surrounded by unbelievers. We're not surrounded by Christians out here. We're surrounded by the enemies. And we know, and, and John helps us to identify the Antichrist in this passage. Because he says in verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. Now I'm not saying if someone comes to our church and they disagree with, just say, our church governance, ecclesiology, and now they go to another church, that doesn't mean they're the antichrist. Just because they were with us, now they're not with us, they've gone to another church, or they disagree with the election, so they go to another church. But when they come, and then they start telling us that Jesus is not the Christ. Or Jesus was not born of the Virgin Mary. And they downplay these absolute foundational truths of the Bible. And everything is anti-the Bible, anti-God, anti-Christ. They are the anti-Christ. They are anti-Jesus' teachings. 
just say this sensitively and to, to say to speak the truth. Muslims deny that God was the Son, Antichrist. Jews deny that Jesus is the Christ, Antichrist. Jehovah's Witnesses also deny that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God, Antichrist. Like this one author says in, in this book, um, Reformed Expository Preaching, about the Antichrist, if I can find it. He says that, like he says here, Jehovah's Witnesses today, we fight the Antichrist. Jews deny Jesus as the Christ. Muslims deny Jesus as the Son. And Christians should not be offended to see those two major religions under the Antichrist category or say that we must fight a real spiritual battle with them. The enemy is obvious, but not easily overcome. And when he talks about the Antichrist, well, we, 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 oh, we are not on the lookout for an emerging secret society or mysterious political figure. I don't know who the A Antichrist is going to be. But I know are we prepared to stand firm and, and, to, and, to, and to fight the good fight, the battle of truth. You see, how will we recognize them? Well, I've already told you. They will depart from us and they'll go out there and they'll start teaching something anti the church. They will speak out against the church. In verse 22, they will deny the faith in Christ Jesus. They will deny that Jesus is the Christ. They will deny that, that Jesus was God's Messiah's Son. They will deny the truth of Jesus' incarnation, God come in the flesh. And in verse 26, they, they deceive us. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. They will deceive you. They're trying to deceive the faithful Christian. They're coming with all their false teaching. We have to realize that we live in a climate of theological error. There is so much rubbish out there. We need discernment. We need to know the truth. I don't know if it still holds, but all I know is that when the bank taught you to recognize counterfeit money they taught you one thing was to see and handle the real money so when the counterfeit money came you knew it straight away and it's the same thing we just need to know the truth and when someone comes as an antichrist or anti the truth you will know it straight away because you have discernment you will know if i have to stand here and i don't believe this and please don't hold me against this i said to you jesus is not the christ Mark and Don will probably pick me up and throw me out the church. Because they know that is a lie. And the Antichrist is a liar. And there is no lie in the truth. The people have so many funny ideas of who Jesus is and, and what he does and what his church is all about. Because you know why? They haven't come to understand what the true gospel is. The gospel is all about what our Father has done for us through Jesus by the power of His Spirit. And He's given us His Spirit, which we're going to look at our next point soon. The anointing. Not to play around with, but to teach us these truths so we can walk in truth. Because it's truth versus error. 
And if we're not in the truth, well, we're going to be deceived and we're going to depart from the church and we're going to end up denying that Jesus is the true Son of God, the Christ. So let's look at our second fact. You can go listen to last week's sermon on our first fact, is to know how to recognize the enemy. But let's now turn to our second fact, to help us battle for truth. And our second fact is to know how to resist the enemy, which we see in verse 20 of 1 John chapter 2. Verse 20 says, But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. How do we resist the enemy? How do we resist the Antichrist, the false teachers? By depending on the teaching of God's Word through the power of the Holy Spirit. Today, we abuse the Holy Spirit. Today, we do not adore or or respect or hold the Holy Spirit up in awe. The Holy Spirit is like, I read in a book or something, he's like a silent shepherd. He's not out there in the front. He's always at the back somewhere. It's God the Father, God the Son that are in the forefront. And the Holy Spirit is always doing his work, cleaning up in one sense. And God was creating the world and, and he was taking everything that was out of order and making it into order. Where there was chaos, he was bringing about order. And verse 20 of 1 John chapter 2 says, But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. John, this loving, caring, compassionate pastor who cares for his children, is just refreshing them and reminding them, you guys have this knowledge. You have the truth. But I want to remind you, there's no lie in the truth. Because our God is not a God that lies. And we have been anointed by the Holy One, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth indwells every Christian, giving us the knowledge of the truth. And as we read the Scriptures, God's Word, we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us the truth, so we can walk in truthfulness. We are led by the Spirit of truth. But the Antichrists are led by the Spirit of this world, the Prince of the power of the air, the liar, the father of lies. Reading around, just, just someone wrote, Truth basically refers to the content of that which is true. The content of God's truth is absolutely essential for the believer in his battle against the schemes of Satan. If we love the truth, we will love God's word and we will use God's word to fight the enemy. Are we living in a time where we push the Bible aside? Objective truth. And now we just rely on subjectivism, an inner voice, which means we've turned back to a pagan mind, instead of having a biblical mind, which is, which is all about Paul when he wrote to Church of Rome, and, and he writes this, and he says, 
I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, which is good and acceptable and perfect. I think if there's one thing that Lloyd-Jones has got into my mind, and I've repeated this so often in this church, that if you're not in God's word daily, if you're not in God's word at all, you are a defeated Christian. We have the scriptures so that we can take the fight to the battleground and battle for truth. We're not left to our own. We have the anointing that you receive from Him and it abides in you. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. Well, so why are you sitting here this morning? You don't have any need for, for anybody to teach you. Is that what this verse is saying? People can take this out of context. That's why we don't need pastors. We can just sit in our lounges, in our rooms, and the Holy Spirit can just teach us. We don't need to go to church anymore. Look what the verse says, Mark. I found a verse that contradicts you. No, it doesn't. It's not even saying that. What it's actually saying is, you don't have to teach anything new or beyond what you have in the sacred scriptures. Why are you adding to the Bible? Or taking away from the Bible? You need pastors and teachers. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, 12, 13, 14 tells us that. So you're not tossed to and fro by different doctrine. By these false teachers that come in and try and, and shipwreck this church. You have the Holy Spirit who teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie. Just as it has taught you, abide in Him. And the only way we, we can go to learn and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us the truth is to be in God's Word. This is the value and the importance of the sacred scriptures. It's the authoritative Word of God. It has been given to us to grow us, to change our hearts, not for us to make fun of it or to, 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 to look for codes and secrets. I have the key to whatever. Well, I found seven secrets to whatever. There's no secrets. There's no key. There's just, God has given us His Spirit to teach us these truths so we can resist the enemy. Like someone said, these false schemes of Satan, Antichrist, can be successfully encountered only with the truth of the Word of God. It's like Jesus in the wilderness. What did He use? Scripture. As it is written. As it is written. He didn't sit down and say, oh, let me think, no, okay. Yes, I think this is what the Word says. He wasn't like Adam and Eve in the garden. He brought the truth. The absolute truth, the sacred scriptures, and he defeated Satan. And we have the scriptures, the sacred truth. So when someone comes to us and says, Jesus is not the Christ or the Son of God, then what we can do, ah, Hebrews chapter 1, let me take that to him. 
And what does Hebrews chapter 1 say? Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in His last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. Capital S. Now, if he doesn't believe that, then he has a problem with the authoritative Word of God. His problem lies with actually believing that the Bible is the truth. But you've just got to take them Scripture and say, this is what God's Word says. And these are people that profess to be true believers, but they have now gone out of the church and started some anti-movement. Whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. Where we have Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ. And then we might say, how can people not believe that who once professed that? It's because they've been blinded by the God of this age, Satan. The power of Satan. Don't underestimate the power of Satan. If you want to defeat Satan, you want to defeat the false teachers, defeat the Antichrist, then you take the Scripture. And the argument becomes an argument with God, not with you. They can call you names, but they're offending God as well. And we do this in gentleness and in kindness and in love. We don't fight the same battle. We don't lose it with them and call them names and whatever. Again, I've read this verse to us quite often when Paul um, writes to Timothy. When you correct your opponents, you correct them with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. That's why we take scripture. Just like you cannot save anybody. You cannot convince anybody or you cannot get them out of a, an unbelief. You've got to take scripture and pray that God will get hold of their heart. And either save them or turn them from being captured by the snare of, this, of the devil. And that they would come to their senses and once again walk with true believers as a true believer themselves. What's at stake? When we mess around with God's word, when we, when we take away these truths and we downplay them, eternal life. You mess around with God's word, you mess around with the most beautiful promise, the greatest promise that has been given to us is eternal life. John 3.36 says this. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. All they become is disobedient Christians. Like I said from someone, Christological rebels. That's all that they become. But John warns them. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. What you've heard from Jesus, what you've heard from us, let it abide in you. Keep it in you. Because if it abides in you, these truths, you're in the Son and in the Father. And we know 
As the branch, or abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch, and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and buried. Once you're speaking out against Jesus as the Christ, once you start denying these truths, you no longer abide in Christ or the Father. You no longer are part of the vine. It's, it's simple. Go home. Most of you have trees in your garden. Break off a branch. Leave it next to that tree for a few days. And tell me what it looks like after a few days. It is dead. It dies. Because it's not part of the main tree. And if we want to deny Christ, we cannot be part of the main vine. We are that branch that will wither. And the branch that will get thrown into the fire and burned. When you start toying with God's word and start saying what you think it says and start denying truths, You've actually departed from the vine. And again, that branch that you've broken off, it doesn't bear any fruit. It can't. It's dead. And if we abide in God and we hold on to these truths, we are guaranteed eternal life. That's why we need to be in God's Word. And we need to allow God's word to take root in us, to shape us, and to mold our lives, transform us more into Christ-likeness. God is in the process of changing hearts, not entertaining hearts. We should be growing and maturing as Christians every day. Some days we go backwards, some days we go forward. Some days we go backwards, some days we go forward. But we are growing. We should be like newborn infants that long for the pure spiritual milk of God's word that by it you may grow up to salvation. Or the psalmist writes, I have stored up your word in my heart that I, may, that I might not sin against you. There's another beautiful quote. God's spirit inspired truth arms our hearts and minds against false teaching. And gives us an instinct to see through teaching that contradicts God's word. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, never works against the sacred scriptures. He works in harmony with God's word because he's the Spirit of truth. And we have the word of truth and they work together in harmony. He inspired the scriptures, not man. But as we live in this fallen world, we gain to come up against antichrists, false teachers who are anti the Bible, anti the church, anti Jesus' teachings, the truths about marriage, about gender, about what God has taught us in the sacred scriptures. But we've got to learn to cultivate a spirit of watchfulness. And that's what we do when we're in the scriptures. 
We, we, we can remain sober-minded. We can be watchful. Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith. Or be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. And that implies to women as well. Let's all be strong. Let's be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. In His grace. Let's be strengthened by His grace as we go to the Scriptures. And let us know there is a battle for truth. Now that we know the enemy, now that we know how to resist the enemy, to help us battle for truth, will we be challenged to battle for truth? Will we stop being ashamed of the gospel when we are confronted with people? It's not about their cleverness, their smartness, their intelligence. All you ask is to sow the truth into their hearts. And if they outsmart you, so what? Not, not everybody is called to be an apologist. And even apologists have to sow the truth into the hearts of his people. The apologetics doesn't save the people. It's the truth that saves the people. And it's God's Word. And it, it is actually quite simple. To sit down with someone and share God's Word in a loving, caring way. But our hard hearts, our stiff-neckedness, our pride gets in the way. Because this message is foolish to everybody out there. But we shouldn't be ashamed when we have to go to a friend who once walked with God and no longer does because he's anti-something in the Bible. Let us always look to the cross. Let us always anchor our, our hearts in God's Word. Let us put on the belt of truth. That's where Jesus he did. He died on the cross. So we can put on the belt of truth. He is the truth. We put on His armour. And we go out there and we speak the truth. We use the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, to battle for truth. We have everything at our disposal. We even have the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us to help us. Not to bully people, not to ridicule people, but just to sow the truth in their hearts and their minds. Doing it in a loving, caring, compassionate way. And if they call you names, that's fine. Let's pray. Father, we know there is a battle for truth out there. And it's a good battle. So give us wisdom to battle for truth. Give us wisdom to go out there and honour your Son, Jesus Christ. And honour you all to the glory of your name. Help us, Father. Forgive us when we don't battle for truth, Father. Forgive us when we let the enemy slip through our hands. Forgive us when we do not resist the enemy and we succumb because we're embarrassed or ashamed. Forgive us, Father. Be merciful to us. Father, have mercy upon us, please. Again, I ask you, revive us in your way. Turn our eyes from looking at vanity and revive us in your way. Help us to take our eyes off the worldly things and fix them on Jesus Christ, the absolute truth. Father, help us, please. Help us to confess our sin. Help us to, to turn our eyes from this world and on Jesus and fix them on Him, the author and perfecter of our faith, and trust Him as we battle for truth. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who illuminates the Scriptures, teaches us these truths. Nothing new, but all that we need to know to fight this battle of truth. 
Father, have mercy upon us, please. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.